Welcome, welcome, welcome out to the Black Russian Podcast. I am Tion Buku One. I'm Yula. Ah, fan favorite. <laughs> and we are going into episode three. I'd like to welcome you guys out. This is the last one of the new year. Well, of the year. We're going into the new year now, which is good because it's been a crazy year. Crazy year, and uh, we're going to 2017, so we drop one more to give you guys something that, actually, Happy New Year! You'll hear it on the first, so. That's right, Happy New Year. So Hope if you're 2017 is a little better than 2016, although, who knows, but we'll try and make it better. Yeah, so if, you've, if you're hearing this, you've made it into 2017, and congratulations, the Grim Reaper was no joke this year, especially on celebrities. So, uh... Yeah, we just did the last episode was the monogamy episode. It was a fascinating episode. Um, it was hard to record. Yeah. It was not easy. <laughs> yeah, it was not easy to record. We didn't get a whole lot of participation. We got none. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. We didn't get any really any participation from our friends who were in monogamous relationships. They were busy, you know, getting ready for... The holidays really? and stuff. Really? Is that what you think? Yeah, I'll say they got busy. They got right. busy. Um, but Tion's way nicer than me. Like way, way, way nicer than me. Uh, you got what? You got you got some fires to shoot. Some, yeah. some shots to fire. Of course. Go ahead. Air, I just air don't think there's anything to say. Huh? I just don't think there's anything to say that's uh, 
positive about monogamy that we didn't say about how we live. Meaning like there's there's no one special something that's only in monogamy that you can't find anywhere else. Well, meaning that people are probably like they didn't answer your questions because they were like, uh, it's cool, but I don't know that it's something to write home about. Quite possibly. That's what I think. But you say they were busy with the holidays. Uh I guess we're going to buy that. <laughs> they were busy for the holidays. But what was crazy was um, after we did the episode, we were driving back home and I was just looking on some stuff on YouTube on relationships and stuff for us to talk about. And we discovered Esther Perel. Um, if you guys don't know about her, you should look her up. She's a relationship therapist and an amazing uh, woman. She speaks in a way that really resonated with me and Eula fell in love, so, and, uh, you know, she, she shared a few things about, you know, the concepts of monogamy and, uh, things that we know we didn't fully know, we kind of had an idea about, but didn't go fully into, but, um, it was really cool, so we learned a lot about it, nonetheless, um, and one of the three things that were really prominent that we learned in retrospect is, one, most people didn't consciously choose monogamy. It wasn't something that they discussed in the beginning of the relationship, like there was other options. It was the default, like that was just a given. Um, two, the ones who defaulted into monogamy never discussed with their partner what monogamy meant. Like where did monogamy end and infidelity start? So they're both they're just guessing and just learning on the fly, which is, you know, challenging. Um, and the third was the ones who were married, most of them didn't write their own vows. They just accepted somebody else's vows and climbed into somebody else's box. Yeah, that's where I throw in the red flag. Yeah. For sure. Not buying it. Yeah, not buying it. Don't, like, prepare flowers and adorbs and all that stuff. Write your own vows. Yeah. People do spend a lot more time on everything else but the actual binding contract. Right? I mean, even when people think that their vows should be something special, not out of the box, most of them would go, hey, can you help me write my vows? Really? Right. Am I going to be in your marriage too? No. You guys sit <laughs> down and write your own vows. Talk about it and figure it out. I can't tell how you guys are going to live. Right. You definitely want to have it by your design. So that was the ending of the monogamy episode. I'm sure we'll come back to it as more and more people start talking about it, sharing ideas and thoughts. But um, so we're, we're basically starting episode three off with the concept of like, OK, so you've done monogamy for a while or most of your life like I did. And no, you didn't. What are you talking well, about? Uh, I come guess on, half my life. It. No, you're 40 years old. So what? what 97 I was. Yeah, well, okay. What, did you start having relationships when you were born? Third grade. Come on, Tion. Third grade. Yeah, all right. Okay, yeah. all okay. right, all right. For most of my upbringing, <laughs> most of my growing up, I was a... In I, your teenage years. Well, from third were. grade okay. till 1997. Yes. All right, that doesn't count. Okay. I you felt it was, it was real to me. It was very real all to right. me. All right. So, you know, he's threw me off. I just 
sucking yeah, because you weren't right. No, what do you mean? You, was, it sounds nice, but it's not true. No, it was most of my for my grow my development years. Was, like, yeah, the five the, years that you were developing. Well, Great. not just five. Congratulations! I can show you love letters from like third yeah. grade. Okay, yeah. I was I was about yeah. it. Mm-hmm. So when you were eighteen, I have some of your love letters. I'm sure I wasn't the only one getting them. No, but so, yeah, we weren't. We weren't. It. We weren't boyfriend okay. and girlfriend. Yeah. All right. Stop. We weren't. We weren't like. Yeah. Going steady. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. For dating, or mm-hmm. not even just courting, or whatever it is. So, anyways, we get to the point where we're like, okay, um, that box, that template, it doesn't quite fit me anymore. Or you know, I'm kind of feeling maybe there's something after that. And then the question goes, well, what's beyond that? And this is the episode about all things beyond monogamy. When you decide to step out into the world and be a brave soldier and just kind of see what's out there and what else are possible, what other things are possible. Um, so we're going to go into that. It's called the alternative episode, polyamory episode, non-monogamy episode, whatever you want to call it. So first, I would like to say, as we always say whenever we deal with any relationships, is all relationships are predicated on the quality of the individuals and the work they do together and on their own. There is no relationship style that is more or less divine than the other. It's the quality of work. You can have horrible relationships in monogamy, polyamory, any other type of style. It's the quality of the humans, so we are not anti-anything. There's something for everybody. We're just anti-assuming that one thing is for everybody. Is that safe to say? Yeah, Totally. All right, so we like to set it off with our quotes. We kind of like to gather quotes. And uh, you want to go ahead and say one of your quotes first? Sure, hold on. My quotes. Mm-hmm. We got notes. You'll see on the video if you're watching. We, actually, we're thorough. Nerdy. All right. So here's one. You have your way, I have my way. As for the right way, the correct way, and the only way, it does not exist. So that kind of speaks to what Tian was just saying about, you know, what kind, what style of a relationship is the right way. There is no right way. It's whatever works for you, whatever works for your partner, whatever works for people around you. That's the right way. All right. And one of mine are... Is? One of mine... Is yeah, I'm not doing good with my proper English tonight. That's why we have the Russian over here. You must love in such a way that the person you love feels free, meaning the love that you share with somebody should empower them and make them feel free, alive, and can be connected with their path, their path, and their purpose. Their path. It's gonna be a rough start. All right, I'll save you. He who controls others may be powerful, but he who has mastered himself is mightier still. Uh, that's, uh, I think that's the tough part of our growing up, mastering ourselves. That is not the most fun to get to. But once we do, I guess that uh, makes all the effort worth it and makes the relationships easier as well. I see. So I go, when we realize that love is not something we give or get from others, but the very essence of our own being, only then do we stop seeking to monopolize, limit, or control it in others. So that really 
ties into the concept of um, getting closely or closer connected through letting go and not trying to let your ego or your fears and insecurities possess, own, or monopolize love because that's the antithesis mm-hmm. of love. And how do you let it go? You master yourself and then you let it go. Ooh, <laughs> All right, your third one. Yep. It is not the lack of love, but a lack of friendship that makes unhappy marriages. Uh, there's been quite a few times that uh, the only thing that held us together was our friendship. If we didn't have our friendship, we definitely would not have gone as far as we have. Probably would have faltered a year into it. Yeah, true. I like you. Mm, likewise. <laughs> Most of the time. Most of the time. Okay. My final one is if you love a flower, don't pick it up. Because if you pick it up, it dies and it ceases to be what you love. So if you love a flower, let it be. Love is not about possession. Love is about appreciation. And that goes to the concept of when you first meet somebody, you have not yet micromanaged or possess them at all. And you fall in love with them because of who they are. And then little by little, we start to change them through our fears, our insecurities, micromanaging um, and some form of ownership. And eventually that person that we fell in love with is no longer the person that we're with because we've changed them, we've tainted them, we've plucked them from their natural path. And so those are our quotes. So now we're gonna get into episode three, the non-monogamy episode Mm. so yeah so i guess this whole thing is about what um what's the alternative and how do you get to it i think it's uh i well what's interesting in every relationship is how we all get to it and then what do we do with it so maybe uh I guess we should go into how we got into it. No, that's in me too. Yeah, well, that's your rules. Those are your rules. I didn't sign up for them. All right, we'll go by them. Tion prepared. I'm the producer. He's producing. (laughs) I just kind of rode in here and. She's the transgressionist. She's the one that. You go ahead. I don't have. I don't have time to do that, and so I can just burn down your whole concept. (laughs) So, (laughs) so we're leaving monogamy. And the whole purpose of that is realizing that that box does not fit us. So we want to venture into a land where the core concept is um, writing your own vows, writing your own script. Yes. Well, it's so much more logical to go into it once you talk about how do people get out of the box. Okay, think? well, sure, you can go, let's go. We'll go back a little bit to the prequel. You let, tell us how do people get out of the box? Well, it depends on who it is. I mean, we have plenty of people coming up and asking questions that make us wonder or make us see that, hey, a lot of people are questioning how they live and their marriages. So there's a lot of people that, yeah, we've been married, blah, blah, blah. I'm 30, been married since 23, and now... You know, we fight all the time. We do not communicate. I know she's unhappy. I'm unhappy, but that's just how it goes. So where do we go from here? Or we've been married for 20 years. I'm bored out of my mind. 
he's probably bored out of his mind. We don't have sex, but what do we do? I mean, there's a million of those questions, right? Yeah. I mean, I want to spend time on my own. He doesn't want me to spend time on my own. He's scared. I kind of want to do other things, but how do I sit them down and talk about it? And it's a continuous conversation. And that's something that I think there's a reason why people are asking us those questions and they're also waiting for us to record the next episode because that's the real thing. That's how do, like, I'm feeling dissatisfied. I know what I have is not working. What am I going to do? And Esther Perel was talking about it a lot. Like she does not advocate open relationships. She advocates honesty in your own relationship. And she advocates uh, evolution in your own relationship. Because when you meet the person, you are young and you fall in love and you decide that's the partner you want to be in. And then you go through your honeymoon. And then you have kids. And all of a sudden, your relationship changes. Well, did you sit down and discuss how your relationship is going to change now? All of a sudden, you have these kids. All of a sudden, you don't have your own time. You don't have time together. You don't sleep. You you can't even go to your bathroom by yourself. Did you guys sit down and discuss, hey, you know what? We're going to get to this point. We're going to have to do something to maintain our relationship. It's going to be difficult. Most people don't. And then what happens, you get, you know, you have a kid, you don't feel like having sex, and then, but you don't talk about it, you just don't have it, and then it deteriorates your relationship. And then the kids are out, but now you have your career, and maybe you went back to school, and then you're busy all the time. And then again, you didn't have time. So the point is that things change. And I think that what we're seeing is that a lot of people don't have, and in our relationship, I mean, it happens where the hardest thing is to sit down and actually have an honest conversation. Like, hey, I'm at this point. Or, hey, this has changed. Can we talk about it? And not talk about it and accuse, you know, the other person of, hey, you're not, you're not, you're not into sex. I need more. You don't want it. But just discuss it. So that's why I think that's the interesting part of and what people really have a hard time uh, getting through is how do I talk to my partner? Is If I'm ahead of them and I'm understanding that something's not working and I want to sit them down and talk about it, how do I do it? And then Maybe it's in their joint conversation that the deci- that the path kind of you know reveals itself, or they think and talk about it. Where do we want to go from there? But the actual sitting down and talking—that's the hard part. Tim's excellent so. at it. I'm nerdy, <laughs> but I but I know how hard it is to have that conversation, especially um, when you've never had that conversation. You know, if you've never had it early because you didn't want to rock the boat. Or things were just so good that you didn't need to have the conversation. And then later on, when it's hard, but you you got a system that's a routine, you guys don't have it. Um, and whenever anyone tries to have a conversation about things sensitive, everyone takes a stance. And it's like a fighting stance. Oh, it's a defense. Like you get defensive. We get to you and I get defensive. Yeah. And, um, you know, so it's really hard to have that conversation where... 
Um, everyone's being heard. Everyone's giving each other space to be heard without defensive or, you know, firing shots. Like, why are you asking? What are you doing? How do you feel about it? And like, you know, everyone's kind of afraid to like speak on it. So, you know, so that's a, that's a definitely a launching point. Um, assuming All right. That, so how do we help people go through it? Well, I mean, okay, so the bridge between the monogamy episode and this episode, if you're in a relationship, would be um, having a conversation with yourself. Like, be honest with yourself. Don't try to avoid feeling guilty or feeling shameful for maybe not being completely happy in your relationship. There's nothing wrong with that. It's very hard to be with one person that can provide the stability, the predictability, Um, the structure and at the same time be spontaneous be adventurous Mm -hmm. and these things and that's the balance is that a steady relationship is about security Um, but there's nothing less sexier than extra extreme security and routine it's boring so desire on the other hand is something that's you know spontaneous adventurous different unexpected Um, And it's hard to get all of that from one person. So it takes a lot of bravery to have the conversation. So the first thing is to allow yourself the space to think, am I really happy in my relationship? And there's nothing wrong with being unhappy. I can guarantee you that your partner is not happy all the time either. So it's kind of like... I mean, assuming that you're supposed to be happy all the time is a really bad assumption that leads to these... Uh, fears of talking to the other person and letting them know, hey, you know what? I'm kind of like not excited at the moment. Right. And, you know, yeah, it's avoiding absolutes because absolutes make it really hard to have any um, nuance or growth. So you can very much be very happy with the overall status of your relationship, of the family or whatever, but not be happy um, in your in the in the passion department. And not be happy in the desire department. You know, it doesn't mean your whole relationship is bad. It just means maybe there's certain areas that have been neglected or maybe we need to upgrade. We need to discuss new ways to do these things. But first, allow yourself that conversation within yourself. And to be honest, like, hey, you know, I, I could, could use more time away or I, you, I could use more interaction with other people or I could use more sex or I could use more passion. Um And then once you have that conversation with yourself, um, then try to have that conversation with your partner. And it may not be easy because at first they're going to come at you like, why are you asking now? Or what is it? What if they go, hey, me too. Right. That, you know, that can be the best and the worst case scenario, depending on your your personal levels of insecurity. Um, But it's the breaking the ice. Once you you guys can have that conversation, then you can get to that point to where you first identify that you guys both still love each other and you love the companionship and things. Um, and there are certain things you would like to... And you're not looking to go anywhere. Right. You're not you're looking not to looking leave looking them. to break the relationship. But just like um, if your business is not working well, then you probably will sit down with your partners and go through the numbers and go, hey, this is not working. We need to change something. You're not sitting down to tell them, listen, this is not working. I'm, I'm out. I mean, there are times when you would do that, but normally it's not 
the first go, you know, it's not the first sign of business not doing what you thought it was going to do. You don't run in and just, you know, um, throw the hat in and go, okay, I'm out. You try and fix it. You try and sit, you try sitting down and going, well, let's, let's scratch our heads and see what we can do here. And then a lot of the times you make changes and lo and behold, things work. Yeah. And you run a diagnostic, right? You have honest analysis of like, okay, we're performing extremely well in the family department. You know, our kids are good. The structure is good. We're, we're performing well over here. This side of the business over here, um, we're not doing too good in this market or with this product, a.k.a., you know, we're not doing as good as um, stoking each other's flames as right now, or we're not doing as good as changing up our routine so that way we can really um, spend that time with each other. Um, and then you separate the issues. So it's not this issue means the whole the whole relationship's bad. It just means, you know, this part of our business, we need to think about some different things um, and rebrand it, you know. Just right, and then you go into it as partners, not as adversaries. Right. I mean, I think we've we've heard, like Tion and I have heard from different people, I, you know, she will not understand or he will not understand. Right. So even when you're thinking about needing to talk to your partner, you're already positioning yourself as an adversary and not as a partner versus, hey, you know what? This is logical. I think there's a problem. Let me go talk to my partner, partners, you know, and just taking that adversarial position will most likely break the relationship. Right. Or keep it in that weird spiral of just, you know, reactionary yeah. stuff. And so, you you know, when you guys get together, if you do get to that point, um, first have the conversation about the good things about each other. Explain what, you know, you guys, let's take some time to enjoy each other and talk about what you enjoy. Give thanks for that. Um, and Hey, guess what? That's where a vows, actual vows that you wrote would have come in handy. Right. When, when Tion and I hit some hard spot, I I swear to God, he listens to our vows and I listen to our vows and we go, yep, still there. And if you didn't write your vows, you got nothing to fall right. back on. I mean, if you did, you sit down, you go, okay, these are our vows. We're still living by them. We just need to fix whatever it is that is not working. Right. But the vows are there. No one's running anywhere. And that completely changes the conversation. Right. And you guys can remind each other, like, we're on the same team. We have each other's best interests in mind. And it's, you know, so you go there. So that would be the first step. And then, you know, just having the conversation. And it's hard because it's it triggers very, there's a lot of, a lot of insecurities in that space when it comes to uh, passion, desire, sexuality, um, the feeling of rejection, feeling of incompetence, all these things get triggered when someone brings up a dissatisfaction with something that you're involved with. And it's hard to sit with those without reacting and just trying to just get out of that situation as soon as possible or projecting your fears and your pains on someone else. And that's a big part is that you have to be willing to um, own those you don't have to pretend they don't exist, but you can't let them rule the session because um, they're going to come up. You know, if your partner says, hey, just so you know, like, I love you, but our sex is not really that great anymore. We don't really take the time. It's just it's it's going through the motions. You know, for a man, rejection is a huge thing. It's a very big thing. And so if if a man hears that, they may already start thinking 
either I'm not good enough or is she sleeping with somebody or what's her problem? As opposed to being like, oh, you know, continue. Because if she continues, she may just explain like, we just don't do the things that we used to do. Right. Um, you know, you're doing your, your work and you're busy and you're doing your thing and I respect and love it. And it's needed for the family, but it does leave out the time for us to really get each other feeling good, feeling desired. Like a lot of people we talk to, um, they don't feel desired. They don't feel wanted by their partner. They feel loved by them. Like I know they love me, but they don't desire them. Well, and that, you know, I mean, our lives are so busy and we have so many demands on us that you got to be a superhuman to, you know, maintain a full-time job, maintain a house, take care of the kids, maybe go to school at night and also stay, the, you know, sexy through the whole day and the, the whole week and be ready to have sex whenever there's time. It's hard. It's not easy. And then, you know, most people will think of it, of it like as, hey, I don't want it to be work. I want it to be spontaneous. I want it to be how it used to be. Well, guess what? Things have changed. Right. You might have to plan that spont- spontaneity. Also, going back to the last episode, it's very hard to expect all of these things from one person. Yep. So if you're going to choose that route, then you have to be super duper human because you have to still find a way to be the structure, to be the pillar, to be the security, to be the consistency, to be the routine and be the spontaneity, the random, the desire filled space. And even then it's still not enough. And even then, I mean, for some people it probably is for others, even then it's not enough because it's not, um, you know, then it's okay. Well then, you know, I'm with the same person for 20 years. Yeah. Can I not get something else? Right. And, you know, I think that it's it's a myth to think that men are the ones that want to go and, you know, have sex with other people. Women get bored with, you know, with the sex that they're supposed to have. I can guarantee you that most women in marriages dream about somebody else because it just that's how it is like right. how can one person be so exciting continuously for so many years days in day in and day out yeah. and it's, it's crazy you know, and it's also the part of um you know men like just like sex we can just have sex unattached from things um women tend to need a little bit more creativity a little bit more desire the foreplay starts long before the bedroom, right. you know, so a man just can just fall into it. And so the woman will lose interest because, you know, it's just not that way. Um, so this leads us into this episode is, you know, what happens if even if the sex is amazing with your partner um, and it's not enough? What if it's not even about sex? And the reality is a lot of the the reasons why people choose to create a different style of relationship is not just for sex a lot of times it's rarely sex sex is just one of the core chains that we're locked in that we can't do that we need to break through so it's very symbolic of breaking the chains of writing your own thing is having the freedom to choose to have sex with more than one person but a lot of times it's just the desire for um, the world variety different we know different people bring out different things in us um, and so if that's where, you know, if that's for you, then this episode is for you because it's 
the analogy I would use is like, for example, I love the Bay Area. I'm born and raised in the Bay Area. Um, if I was forced to only live in the Bay Area and never leave, it would change my relationship with the Bay Area. I would yearn for other places. I would yearn for Arizona and yearn for like Wisconsin. But since I don't, I'm not monogamously obligated to only like and live in the Bay Area, I can travel to other places and see beautiful places, see Brazil, see Europe, see Australia. And you know what it does? It really adds an appreciation for the Bay Area. Like it makes me love the Bay Area even more. But then, you know, there are people that want to live in Arizona and never want to leave it and they're happy with it. And then they stop listening to the this because right. they, they're in the monogamy episode. If you, exactly. you know, there's nothing is for everybody. That's what we're trying to say. So if if monogamy is not for you, you're not abnormal. It's not a it's not a default. It's not a mandate. That's what we're trying to say. So we'll get into other things. So one of the, some of the things that we're trying to free up when we leave that monogamous space is we want to be able to write our own vows, write our own script. Um, you know, we want to be able to create our own way and have that be determined, refined and amended depending on the relationship chemistry and the dynamics. Because every person you meet, you guys are going to have a different chemistry. You're going to have a different balance. And most of the time, one default is not going to fit every Tyler relationship. Think of all the different friendships you have, not sexual, but just think of all the different friends you have. Like they're all very different. Some you kick it with for short periods of time and you have a great time. Some you have long conversations with. Some you only do physical activities with. Some you work with. But they're all very different. Imagine if you tried to treat everyone exactly the same. There would be no surprise that some of them would fail because they wouldn't fit in that box. Um, So also what it is is, you know, you like that balance of structure and security, but you do like staying on your toes. You like to grow. You like new concepts. You like learning new things. Um, you like that idea that there's a lot in the world that you haven't seen and haven't learned. Um, you know, so we're about that. And most importantly, you are ready to have freedom of decision making. You don't want to no longer want to be in a situation where your decisions about what's right for you and your ability to hold commitments is micromanaged by somebody else. I'd say that that's the number one and maybe the only reason why I'm in a relationship like this with you because clearly I can't even follow your script of the show. Yeah, clearly. Clearly. And you know what? It's okay. Totally okay. Yeah, perfect. Until until we stop filming and then yeah. I'll put the talcum powder on and get the backhand <laughs> out and be like, I told you. Oh, well, that's a different episode. <laughs> that's, the, that's the next one. Yeah. The sex episode. <laughs> it's role. It's role playing. It's role playing. Hey, I do, I do we not. We are a mixed couple in Walnut Creek. Yeah, I don't know what that has to do with it, but I'm just saying, <laughs> I don't backhand my wife unless she begs. It's role playing. All right, but so yeah, this is the land you want to come into—a land of freedom, a freedom of decision, trust. You want to be trusted. You want someone to be able to trust your decision-making process. Trust that you can navigate the world without them keeping you on a short leash. And this enters the land of, you know, terms like compersion, which is actually a term meaning you actually have pleasure from your partner 
receiving love and joy from other people other places um and so well let's get into some of the alternatives okay we'll go so here's some of the alternative terms and just so you know like me and eula we didn't know any of these terms nope. <laughs> like we weren't we didn't come to this place and you'll, you'll you know after you'll, later on in the podcast you'll see we didn't come to this off of studying for years um, it was just a feeling and a logical thing that we each came to somewhat of our own and encouraged each other and helped each other work it through the details. But we never heard of these terms. So if these terms are foreign to you. You're right where you should be because they were <laughs> foreign to me. Um, so, you know, some of the alternatives, um, and you know, so the core one is polyamory. That's probably the, you know, the opposite or the other core choice other than monogamy, which is just means poly many a more love it's just the state of relationship where you can actually have multiple loves life different things different passions different people different relationships and everybody who's involved is it's a consenting space it's not a cheating space so it just means there's more it doesn't there's no specifics of how many or who needs to do what it means you get to create your own thing you don't jump into another box you just create your own thing so now in this space, there are actually marriages that have different origins from that. And obviously you've heard of the term polygamy. And that's where this, you know, where someone is married and they have multiple spouses at the same time, regardless of the sex. Then you have polyandry, which is a state of the woman having multiple husbands at the same time. Would you like that? I have to confess. Yeah. I think last week... I actually actively thought about it. Yeah. Do you know why? Um, you want to guess? Oh, this was probably some home home improvements or exactly. some bullshit. Exactly. I need. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I I was like, hey, maybe I need a husband that can do things around the house. Man. You know, and I could maybe handle too. You know, may, maybe maybe shit maybe I would be happy with a, a you married to a handyman too. Yeah. You'd be like, hey. Yeah. Hey, Drake. Do you- <laughs> I come up with the most unsexy name. See, I still have I still have fear of the alpha male inside of me, so I always come up with like the most unsexy names that I could find for her. Like, hey Harrison. Hey, uh, uh can you please hold this for me? Hey here? Chad. <laughs> um, so yes, polyandry is where the woman has multiple husbands and polygyny is where the man has multiple wives. Now, all of these exist and have existed long before monogamy. This is things that the African kings and queens um, spoke on and lived by. Um, and it was a way that they used to stabilize community and, and, tri- and tribes and civiliz- civilizations. And actually, I've been doing some research, and there are people who still really talk about how you know polyamory and polygamy and these different types of things can actually help fortify a community and unify women and men to stop being competitive and start pulling resources and pulling um, in- income. So that's those are the marriage terms. And then I have some honorable mentions because I was Googling different <laughs> terminology and there's some pretty funny ones. Totally. So one of the ones that caught my eye was cowboys and cowgirls. So, <laughs> so I asked myself, what is a cowboy? So basically what a cowboy or a cowgirl is, is someone who lives the poly lifestyle just long enough to find somebody and then completely, hopefully, take them far away. Rope them and take them away and become a monogamous couple. Yank them out and make them their own. Right. So they're really not about polyamory. They just, they just 
operate in that space because it gives them a chance to meet uh, more people. And once they find that one, they want to rope it up and lock and load. Um, there's also the comet. And the comet is the occasional lover who passes through one's life semi-regularly, but without any expectation of continuity or romantic relationship. I think those are awesome. Yeah, that's usually what happens in the music business. <laughs> yeah, but a lot it of happens in the cheating way more than the comet way. Well, yeah, well, no. Well, it happens in both ways. Like, you know, I guess I was comedy not like laughter comedy, but I was comedy-ish because a lot of the friends that I would end up being with or spending time with, I was gone and who knew when I was coming back. But there was right. no expectation of relationship other than I care about you and I'm yeah. glad we got to spend this time. So comments was kind of neat. And uh, then there's the term coined by Dan Savage. You should also look up Dan Savage as well as Esther Perel. And it's monogamish. <laughs> like you're not... Fully about that poly, like anybody, everybody, you can have your full choices. But you're like, all right, the box is kind of tight. I'm not really feeling the monogamy box. We can modify the box and make it monogamish. And have some rules and be like, hey, you can go and do this. Right. You can be like, like, and this is another thing you could create by your design. Or it could be a, a stepping stone. Like, hey, you know, um... I will allow you to watch porn. You can watch porn. Or if you're a man, you can be like, hey, I would love for you to have a vibrator. So that way, if I can't get you where you need to go, we have a teammate. And it's not in the form of another male that I'm intimidated by. <laughs> it's, a, it's a robotic little toy. Um, you know, and it can be anything like that. Like we can. Or it could be, what's, what's his name? What's the NBA Oh, uh, Andre Karolinko. Yep. His wife supposedly allows him to have sex with whoever he wants to once a year. Once a year. So you can, you know, you can create your own rules where you're monogamish. Like you're the, you're the relationship yeah. relationship, yeah. but you're like, hey, okay, there's a hundred mile radius rule. Like there's even those where you have a hundred mile rule. Like if you're out of town. That was a very brief period of time where I tried to impose that on you and that didn't work. <laughs> well luckily my my career lifestyle just imposed it on me anyways then when that ended it was it was a different ball of wax um one of the ones that we want to talk about in these terms which is really important is nre new relationship energy and that's one of those things that we all chase or we miss in relationships um when they kind of settle in and that novelty wears off the honeymoon period goes away and it's like the relationship's cool but you don't have that like giddy feeling of excitement and infatuation that happens in the beginning of a new uh, relationship, romantic encounter, the banter, the the cat and mouse, the discovery, um, you know, and that's and something. And the actual real life sets in. Right. Yes. And, um, you know, this, that feeling is really real. It's actually like a chemically um, documented feeling, like that feeling you get when you discover something new or a new person that dance. Um, and that's a really big one. And the last one, which is adorable, is polywog. <laughs> we got a couple. Yeah. So polywog is often referred to uh, as a child of, of a couple who is polyamorous. So they're called polywogs. And so those are the terms. 
But basically, make a long story short, it's about whatever you want to do, um, you have the right to create that script. You have the right to do that. Um, now, there are some good, bads, hardships, obstacles. I mean, um, monogamy is very difficult because there's a lot of responsibility on one person to do all these things. Um, polyamory, polyamory has its own set of wackiness and adventures that we'll get into. Well, and responsibilities. Yes. And more responsibilities, I would say, than uh, monogamy because you're involved with more people. Yes. By itself, it gives you more responsibility and it becomes very complex. Yeah. Um, I mean, however you structure it, I would imagine that any sort of structure can become very complex and you have to be very much on your toes to be able to be a honest with everyone and navigate it with respect uh, for everybody. Yeah, it's definitely not a click save not thing. Not at all. I like to say it's um, it's like the level of professional basketball. It's a professional relationship person, professional, meaning that, you know, a professional basketball player trains every day they rest they stretch they practice their free throws they read the playbook they study tape they're constantly learning because they know to stay at that high level you have to train whereas you know this style of relationship having multiple connected real sincere relationships um you have to be mindful you have to be on your toes you have to own up to your insecurities you have to work on them um, you have to be grateful. You have to become a great listener. Um, have to be work on being a better communicator every day, learning different things. It's very fluid. You have to be also interested in investing that much of yourself into different people. And that could be a reason why, you know, if, if you're conscious of all of this, uh, you may want to stay monogamous because it is a lot of work, but you got to be conscious of it. Right. It's, it's a valid, it's a really valid uh, consideration to make. Yeah. And a, yeah. I'm sure that there are people that uh, very honestly make those considerations and go, you know what, this is just too much energy and I'm just not interested in investing all that energy in all these different relationships. But it's a constant, conscious choice. Yeah, it's a conscious choice. There's... A whole lot of reward because there's a, a hell of a lot more energy and dynamics and newer energy. But with that mm-hmm. comes with a hell of a lot more personalities, moods, traumas, insecurities, yeah. fears. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's a lot. But um, it is dynamic. That's one thing it is. It's dynamic. You do not get bored. Yeah, you don't get bored. Um, and, and, and basically the, yeah, it's just... Well, you know what? Like when we were listening to Esther Perel, one thing I don't in one of her talks she said that uh, I think someone asked her what is in her mind it, what is the alternative to monogamy, and she said there is no one alternative to monogamy because if someone was to offer one alternative to monogamy, you would have to run away from it just as much as you or just as fast as you run away from one option of having monogamy. Uh, it's you, you don't want to switch one box for another. The whole concept is that it's whatever you create, whatever works for you, maybe in different uh, at different times in your own life. 
So you don't jump from one box into another box. That would be, uh, you know, a that would not be uh, very uh, liberating. And yeah. B, it would it it it's it's the same kind of control mechanism that uh, monogamy can be. Right. It defeats the purpose of um, creating your own. Yeah. You know, just how you create your own lifestyle, create your own path. So there is no, I mean, I'm sure that people look at Teal and they're like, what the hell are you guys doing? And we're like, mm, we're right. just doing what we feel we should be doing. Right. We're probably not doing as much as you think that we're doing. Right. But we're definitely doing more than the average bear and enjoying our lives because every day we're at the helm. We control the decisions we make. Um, we discuss, we build, we learn, we mastermind. And it fits with everything else in the life. Like, you know, we didn't accept a career path that was default chosen for us. We didn't accept a default religion or a default, you know, anything. We've, we've decided where we wanted to live, what type of relationship we wanted to have, how we wanted to raise our kids, um, you know, and it's fluid. It evolves. The relationship that we have now is not the same relationship we had 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, it's evolved. And you have to be fluid and you have to have um, elasticity in your mind state and in your thought process because things grow, things change. Um, one person you're with, you may only be with them. Um, but then the next person you're with, you may want to be like, they're great, but they don't provide a whole everything. So I want to be able to, you know, like I love the Bay Area, but I do also love, you know, San Diego and I love Brazil. Um, and these different things. And it's just getting out of the whole possession, the whole default, the whole not having that conversation. someone telling you what you're supposed to do. Right. I right. Mean, F that. Say it. No, you can, you can cuss. It's, yeah, it's a no, podcast. Yeah, say it. What? You can cuss. Say it. I'll say it next time I feel like it. How's say that? It. Oh. Don't tell me what to do. Come on. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm going to nice get try. to say. Nice well, try. Nice no, try. No, no, no. <laughs> You look up here, there's a whole section now. If you don't say it now, I'm going to get you to say it. So you don't say it. So anyways, right now, we're going to go into a song break. And what we're going to do is play you we're our gonna vows. Dance. She's going <laughs> to dance. I'm going to make sure that the song plays at the right time. So this song is actually our vows. We took the our vows and we actually... Now let's talk about how we created our vows. Remember? They were not written for our wedding. We okay. didn't even think about getting married. Yeah. It was way before. We right. were in San Francisco. Right. So that's, that's why I have this ring on my right hand. And people go, why do you have your wedding ring on your right hand? I was like, this was a ring that she gave me long before we were doing the wedding thing. So, you know, go ahead. Backstory. Yeah, that was, that was a long time ago. That was probably two years before we moved. We bought a house and moved together. We were living in San Francisco. We did not know which way our relationship officially was going to go. We didn't have Deja. Uh, but we knew that we wanted to be together in some shape or form and most likely on a more permanent basis. So we decided that we would we were going to write our vows. And then Tion said, okay, well, you write yours, I'll write mine. I, of course, like a good student, wrote mine, gave them to him. He took mine and did whatever he did with them. And then he wrote this song. And then that was our vows. Uh, when we ended up getting married, those were our vows. Yeah. And, you know, if 
you write your own vows, it's kind of like a cool mission statement that you might want to reflect upon, like Gila was saying earlier, maybe a couple times a year, maybe when it's tough. I mean, we do it very periodically. Yeah, keep it fresh. Because that's, that's your mission statement. That's the game plan. That's the playbook. That's the, the intentions. Because sometimes when you get mad, you get tired, get pissed off, you can lose sight of that. Yeah. And then, you know. So when was the last time you listened to our vows? Probably a couple of weeks ago because it comes up in my, my rotation on my playlist. <laughs> no, but like when did you seek it out? I haven't sought it out in a while. But when did you consciously, when was the last time you consciously... Look Probably hard. when one of the times you and I were doing. I mean, you know, like yeah. You know. So when it was hard, when it's hard, when one of us feels pissed off or insecure. Yeah, I usually just tell hurt. Eula. So what's here's what, <laughs> here's a funny story. So I made a I don't know how many songs she has that I've done for her, and so and I wrote all these things, and so she would get sadder or just you know lower on energy. I would just be like. Have you listened to the songs? Because I wrote all these no, no, manifestos. That's not how it goes. So I when send I it to her. When I feel a certain way, I go to Tion Tion. Can you please say something? Can 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 you say something special? And he goes, Well, do you have your songs? Right. I created a playlist for you. But I'm like, Yeah, but no, I want something fresh. And I'll be like, I'm at the fucking skate park. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bowling right now. No, it's not. Would you please refer to track seven, please? <laughs> It says it all in there. I have the sexy voice and everything. So anyways, but, you know, that's what their points of reference. There are things that, um, you know, we need to have reminders about why we do what we do. We need that's why we do daily gratefuls. We wake up in the morning and we write each other and, and, our, and different friends what we're grateful for each day. So we don't lose sight of the blessings that we have. Um, and of course, you know, one of the biggest blessings that we have um, is our relationship because it's the primary base of all that we do all that we transmit is from this place we start our day here we end our day here um so it's kind of important to make sure that we you know we're taking care of this vehicle and and everybody in it so here's our song the vows and we'll get back into it and then we'll go into our relationship all that stuff you may have been curious about you know yeah we're gonna go there good stuff we're going there the black russian podcast Maximize our time The love, life, family that we create Is all designed by us Guided by divine It's all Guided by divine Yes Our bond Build on two strong individual Consciously coming together to form a union Unison that complements strengths and weakness Accentuate our talents and our life the foundation respect for the most high, the birth vision that guides to make righteous decisions. Mutually benefiting our family, protecting our seeds, futures, past which presents. 
An eternal cipher, a safe haven to seek refuge, a nucleus to recycle the bad to good, a homestead which is beyond individual ability, the synergy which transcends competition. So nothing compares, therefore nothing competes with our bond except for the new layers we add upon completing the circle, upward spiral, deeply rooted beyond reality and elevated. It's our bond. Our love. Our love. Out of the purest desire to share the phenomena called life. Love that sets free our souls, our inner child, our dreams, our paths, and our calling. Love that replenishes, heals holistically, help men wounds beyond comprehension, beyond words expression. Love that makes you feel blessed with every breath, every life experience, and every test. Softer than clouds, yet as solid as a rock, as tough as the meaning of life, yet as easy as thought. Love that supersedes, takes precedence over all, it's our vehicle, deserves priority maintenance. To not only allow but demand you to be you To follow your earth's purpose, receive what's due to you Not only from me but from the world People, places, things I will always be your king with in the twine To take you with me wherever I go Keep you in my decision making process so you share the benefits Consider you always as you are me Part of my inner reference points connecting me to my love I promise Promise to allow my love to grow Find new ways to fall in love with you and better ways to make it show Never let an outside force sway our course of events our forces immense I keep, I keep adding bricks i promise to let your logic guide me through times of doubt times when my vision can't see through the clouds and lend you my intuition at times when you're not able to envision the purpose of our position and i promise to be a friend dad lover partner teammate pioneer dream chaser visionary to be a massive progressive forever hungry to grow but be patient enough to appreciate life's flow i promise to never put anyone above us for the only thing above us is heaven and our God bless. Protect our bond, love kids, our truth, and always be there for you. I promise to never put anyone above us. For the only thing above us is heaven. God bless. Protect our bond, love kids, our truth, and always be there for you. I promise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you have it. Our vows. This is the Black Russian podcast with Tian Buku and Yula. <laughs> so no, it was cool. I, I mean, listen to it on your podcast now. How does it how does it hit you? That it's all true. It's amazing that what kills me is that we probably wrote it about I'd say thirteen years ago. And every single time I listen to it, every single word is still true. And it's like, wow, how did we envision it that way? We yeah. had no idea where we were going. I mean, we had an idea, but we didn't have specifics. Right. I think that was one of our best things that we did was write our vows that weren't rigid. It was based upon concepts and uh, just, what would you call it? Just core things, core truths, not rigid. Like I promise to beat a guy up if he ever calls you out of your name or, <laughs> you know, very specific, like, you know. I think that for me it was always from the beginning, it was a very different relationship from any others that I had before because it really did not have an end goal at all. 
Like there was no, I didn't have a goal. I didn't know that we were going to get married. I didn't know that we were going to have a house. I didn't know that we were going to even be together. But it was really uh, going on my intuition and going on, hey, this is something that I need to do. I actually want to be with this guy and share whatever comes our way. And that will be fun. And that will be worth risking whatever else that I have to risk to get there. Right. Okay, cool. It's nice. We did so far so good. Yeah, so far We're so still good. here. It's alive and kicking. Okay. So now we're going to go into us, all of our stuff. And like I said, this is just one of the ways that you can do it. We'll just give you an example of how we do it, how we came about it, and hopefully it'll spark some ideas and, you know, Maybe it's, you know, take some from us, do some other things and, you know, keep it moving. So, you know, how did you come into this space? Into the space of being with you or into the space of being with you in this way? In the space of deciding that you want a relationship that was not monogamous based. Well, like I said, I think that nothing about this relationship uh, or my relationship with you was uh, preset and had an end goal. And uh, because we were close friends before and because you were always very open about how you uh, lead your life, uh, that was built into my decision-making process. This was not the hardest thing that I had to overcome to be with you from the beginning. I mean, it, it, at the time... I had to overcome a lot more. I mean, I, it was different circumstance. Uh, I went against every single, I guess, you know, f- social norm that I was raised with, and uh, it did not come easy. It didn't. Come, it was not easy uh, with my family at all. I had two kids. I had to go against. You know, my parents, I had to go against a lot of people that expected better from me uh, just to make that decision to be with you. So, um, you know, the style of the relationship was already built in because you already you had an idea of how you wanted to live. And I, ju- I, I accepted it because it made sense to me. But, um, you know, getting to it was a longer process than... And, I had to go to jump through a lot of hoops and overcome a lot of other problems uh, to get there. Right. And why is it important to you? Like, why is this style of relationship important to you now that you're in it? Well, because, I, like I said before, I will not accept anyone telling me what to do, ever. I have a very hard time having people tell me what to do. I mean, my parents cannot tell me what to do. My, I mean, you cannot tell me what to do. Um, I, I, I just, I, it's not how I operate. I will listen, and if it makes sense, then yes, we'll do it that way, but otherwise I will do it the way I want to do it, and having the freedom is the most important thing to me. I mean, I didn't, get, I didn't take a job where I had to be locked up. I mean, and not locked up, locked up, but have less freedom than I have now. It's extremely important to me. Freedom right. is. So, I mean, how does sexuality play in that? Does it play a major role? Is it? Yeah, and that's where that's um, one of the main 
uh, one of the major uh, parts of making the decision of having a relationship where you are allowed to have different uh, close relationships with people is so that I could have that choice if I ever wanted it. Right. And that involves having sex. I want to have that choice and I do not want to be uh, lying about it. I could, but I don't want to. Right. So the freedom is a very, very important thing. Extremely. Broad stroke freedom. Yeah. So um, I came about it, you know, um, the 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 core setting off point was um, I started to get into the life of music of tour managing road managing being on the road um, and I started meeting people all over the place that were amazing and I could feel myself falling in love all over the place with not just with a girl but it could be kids at a skate park it could be uh, producers somewhere else and I would I didn't know how to deal with that like how do you I'm trying to bring them all home and you just it's not possible um, and then I fell in love with somebody in Australia where it really was not possible so the core premise of the starting of the foundation was the decisions that you've made in your life have made you the person that I love. The decisions that I've made in my life made me the person that you love. Let's not change a thing. Continue to do and lead your life as you do. And I'll do the same. And, uh, you know, I'm a vulnerable, insecure man. So, you know, disc- discretion would be cool. Like protect me from parts of your ride that are divine to you but are sensitive to me. And that was the core premise that I lived by for a long, long time. Um, now, in retrospect, what I re- what I see, what I really, my core premise was, is that I believe in living intimately. Like it's not something I just pick and choose. I live intimately. I, I want, I look for and desire a sincere, deep, genuine connection in everything I do, whether it's teaching whether it's learning, whether it's sex, whether it's friendship, whether it's skateboarding, bowling, music, any of that, I, I desire a sincere, deep connection. So once I've identified that that's my core goal in everything I do, the method or the pathway is secondary. Sometimes it's through sex. Sometimes it's through friendship. Sometimes it's through conversation, music, dance, art, failure, Um, And so I've learned that if I let go of what specific pathway I want to receive this intimate connection with, um, I actually stay connected more and can connect with more people. Um, And also the premise that I believe all of us are students, teachers and kindred spirits. Um, And so you never know who you're going to teach or who you're going to learn from or who you're going to connect with. You never know what shape, size or form or what medium it is. So I learned for me, it's better for me to be able to be ethically present no matter where I am, because that's that next teacher may be in a form of a beautiful woman. and We may connect the first lesson, maybe through sex and it may transfer out of that. But if I was in a committed relationship, I would be stuck with the decision of either a deceiving my relationship at home to learn this lesson or b resent my relationship at home because I chose not to endure that lesson. Um, and so those are my foundations. Um, and, you know, the reason why it's important to me is for the simple fact is like, I really feel that we're here to have sincere, rich quality of life. 
And that tends to be um, allowing yourself to be present and to be open. Yeah, and I, you know, I think that this is what makes you you. And um, every choice that I have made being with you has been based on not wanting to change anything in the way that you operate. Because it's very clear to me that if I start messing with it, I'm not going to like you. And then I might as well just walk away. I actually, I mean, my close friends that know me uh, know that I took, I don't know, I took a whole year, one year to, out, <laughs> to analyze our relationship and decide if I wanted to be in it. And at the end of the year, uh, I decided, yep, I want to be in it. And I want to be in it in a way that does not change Tion. I am not to mess with anything how that he does, whether or not it's easy for me or not. It's definitely not easy, but it's worth it. And therefore, you know, once I made that decision, everything else became easier because I stopped even thinking about it. I'm like, well, you want this relationship? You spent a whole freaking year. I make, uh, I process things extremely slowly. As fast as I make some decisions, others come extremely slowly to me. Important ones I take forever on. But once I make the decision, it's mine. And then I, all I got to do is remind myself, yep, you spent this time, you made this decision. And now you don't even have to question if you want to be in it or not. All right. And yeah, we're still here. Um, but, you know, our core desires for freedom of choice, decision, and path is what really ties us together. Um, you know, we go about it differently. We're different human beings. We have different ingredients, different balances. Yeah, I do not live my life by being uh, intimate with a lot of people and not physically intimate, but uh, like, like, you know, close, close relationships. I need a lot fewer relationships than Tion does. That, uh, that's just how my energy works. And I think that that will answer a lot of questions that I've been getting from people. So <laughs> do you have people that you see on the side? Or how does it work? Why does Tion allow, why does he see or have so many intimate friends? And you may not have none or you may, I mean, any, right. or you may have whatever, whatever. But is that fair? I, it, it is how it is. We're different people. I do not thrive on, uh, you know, developing super close relationships. I don't need that many. He does. I mean, he will wilt if he doesn't, you know, if he stops moving and meeting new people and doing new things. Yeah. And that's what, once again, we want to say, um, this is not about ego. It's about trusting one's decision-making process and giving... Uh, empowering them the freedom that's rightfully theirs to make whatever decision. So, you know, she, like I, we've talked about this, I've said, you know, Eula says, you know, she's not really that interested in X, Y, and Z right now. And I say, that's awesome, but that'll always be your decision. Like, it'll never be my decision. So if you choose to change that, you have the freedom to change that and grow and evolve. We can't uh, build a good foundation that we really want for the long haul if it's rigid. So it's about the freedom of decision. She has the right to create the community 
the levels of relationships, the amount, as many or as little as she wants, as I do the same. And it manifests differently. I am a six foot three black man with pigeon toes and no belly button. She's not. <laughs> not at all. What are you? You're a five foot three. Yeah. A white Russian, Jewish, short hair, with, short legs. With salamander thumbs. Push, show show yeah, the camera thumbs your thumbs. thumbs are perfectly fine. God, I don't yeah. know what you think they so are. So we're different people. I like fried chicken. You know, she likes beets. <laughs> you know, like we just like different things or we have completely different career paths. We have completely different strengths um, and weaknesses. So it makes sense that we would have um, different desires and different passions. Um, and, you know, so having the freedom to get that is the only way we could exist. We can't coexist if I try to make her like me or if she tries to make me like her. Um, and so a lot of people do think it's this one for one competition thing like. You know, yeah, people actually ask me, so, you know, how does that feel? Do you stay at home? How do you feel? I'm like, I feel like I feel. I feel exactly how I want to feel. And it's not a one for one. I know my strengths. I know uh, what I want. I know what I don't want. If I try to do what he does, I'd be a complete mess. She'd be like a cat with like 20 balls of yarn, just <laughs> choking herself. No, I'd like I I'd piss a lot of people off. That's what would happen. Like I am not, I'm not you. I can't. I would I would literally piss people all off. Right. She's not she's not as soft and squishy as I am. See no. See everybody thinks this is the what's the what's happening in the podcast is, is people think that I'm like the Mac Daddy, you know, hardcore, just like you know, runner of the show, and like you know, you're like the passive, supportive, nurturing dame who's just weathering the storm, you know? And it's like, it's almost like you're Bob Marley and I'm Rita. Like, it's, it's <laughs> in a different way. Wow. Like, I'm the softy, you know? Like, you know, I'm the one that's like ultra nurturing to the friendships and super mega patient for people's rides and stuff. And Well, until a certain point. I mean, it, it's all, I think that we... Uh, meet each other in the core of you know when when it becomes when logic needs to come in logic comes in yeah i mean the worst that people can experience is if when logic comes in from both of us at the same time that's yeah. pretty rough yeah then they don't get any any either one of no. us to help them with that situation no. all right so <laughs> but you know for the first part of our like we're talking about the evolution for the first almost eight or nine years more our, Maybe I 10, mean, 11 we years? We are in 13, 14 years. Okay. I mean, well, yeah. The... So the first 10, 11 years, our core thing was about discretion. Like, protect me from the parts of your ride that I would be sensitive to, and I'll do my best to protect you. And um, we tried to just not put each other in situations to where we had to um, lie to each other. Um, we did lie to each other, um, and it overlapped because there was a fear of, like, um, the truth of going into detail would be more painful than protecting her from our ride or protect her protecting me from her ride or whatever. But that we outgrew that. I think that that's the most difficult part of coming out and being open to each other and honest is the fear of hurting the other person. I mean, I'm still not over it. Uh, you're doing better with it because you've, I guess I've had more. Practice. I've been hurt a lot. I've been hurt a lot in my life. 
Well, I, I mean, you know, between you and I, I don't, I'm not oh. talking about other people. <laughs> <laughs> no, like you being honest with me and me being honest with you. Right. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a difficult part. You know, like you need to be honest. You know, you need to be honest. You know, you really don't have a choice because at that point, it's a choice between uh, am I going to have this relationship or am I going to lie? If you lie, you don't have it. Right. But still opening up. <laughs> Oh, right. like speaking the truth that you know for a fact is going to hurt the person that you love is not an easy thing at all. Yeah. But it's it's that healthy hurt. It's that hurt of like hitting someone's insecurity but then um nurturing them through conversation and through space to grow through that. And that's the thing is we don't want to let our fears and our insecurities stifle our growth and make us pretend that we're something that we're not and that's the hard part like you know we knew each other we we agreed in this relationship to be to be able to have the freedom of choice um but even in that space you know there's certain things like well i don't know how she's gonna feel about this and that and i don't know and so we still had to learn that it's not just like oh okay we're we're open it's all good it's super easy like it's not it's layers and layers and layers of of steady work refining it's like like i said it's like a professional relationship athlete it's like you have to get better you have to refine your you know your shots you have to study you have to you deal with weaknesses people expose you um expose your weaknesses and and weaknesses are insecurities and fears and this will magnify them um so if you're afraid of your fears and insecurities it's gonna be a rough ride but if you're brave and you lean in you'd be surprised that a lot of things you're petrified about is not really as scary once you allow yourself to just you know sit in that space and uh, you know cocoon that's that fear with logic love nurture trust faith and good conversation um and you know so that that kind of leads us into the keys to our relationship like you know we're doing pretty good i think we we know we spend more days really excited to be with each other and grateful than we do spend days thinking that we just don't want to be here i think those are very very few if ever, and if it is, it's like if a matter of like three minutes, it's more like I just want to be out of the house, um, not like I want to be out of the relationship type stuff. So one of the one of the important things that we discovered is we need off the grid time. Each of us need off the grid anonymous time, um, time where you're not being accounted for, where you can just live and do whatever you want to do, be in your own space. Remember what it's like to be an individual again, not always have to be on the clock or that is you know. super hard i mean it's not that hard for tion because he grew up where he had a lot of free uh, anonymous time or time uh, when he was not tracked by his mom i had none of that to this day my parents want to know exactly what i'm doing when uh you know i have a much better mechanism of ignoring them now but when you grow up like that it 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 becomes your habit you want to track that other person and uh just giving that time is really really hard even out of that habit you know just out of that habit it becomes a lot harder so you know i think it's easier for him to not know what i where i am uh and not try and track me versus me it's better now but breaking that habit is not an easy thing to do i mean i 
I, I, I'm realizing that I don't do it with my kids. I don't track them. A lot of people are like, whoa, don't you have the, you know, locate your child thing on your phone? No, I don't. I mean, I, if I need them, I call them or text them. They respond. That's all I need to know. Uh, with Tian, it's a little diff different, uh, but it's a, uh, it's a process. You have to learn that. You have to really, really consciously learn it. Yeah. And, you know, it's, 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 a, it's very invigorating and it's a gift. It's a gift of love. It's very sexy when your partner's like, you know, okay, have a good time tonight. You know, let me know when you're on your way back. You know, and then you can go through that with them. And it, it's sexy. It feels really good when they give you that space. Because then it makes you feel like you want to come back and you're grateful. And you want to tell them. And that, that's the second part of the off-the-grid anonymous time is the let me tell it theory. Yep. And the let me tell it theory is like, okay, remember back in the day when we didn't have phones and chats and Instagrams and like that, you know, if your friend went on a trip, they went on a trip and maybe every couple of days they call you and you'd have a conversation. They would tell you, they recap the things that they experienced in their time or in their travels that they feel would be beneficial um, for you to, sh for them to share with you. And you have that conversation. Um, and, you know, or you go on a trip when you come home, you come home and you would have like a, you tell it, you tell the story about the people you met and the experiences and things like that. Nowadays, everything is such in real time that... By the time you come home, no one's even asking any questions. Yeah. And <laughs> what happens is the questions will come out before the things happen. So it would come out, things come out like, what are you doing today? What are you doing then? Then what are you doing tonight? What are you doing? And then all of a sudden, you know, the next morning it's like, what did you do today? What did you do that night? And then if it didn't match up, it'd be like, oh, shit. And so I, <laughs> you know, we realized the hard way that it's like, you know, if we grid each other out, we don't leave each other that space to um, just be in their own space. And not everything that we do needs to be debriefed. Um, but we found that if we give each other that space to just do whatever, the person wants to share with you because they love you. They care about you. That's why you're together. So if you let them tell it, you end up getting a better story, a more animated, a more um, story that they're giving way because they care. Honest. Yes. You know? Definitely way more honest. Like if I try to extract it, then it's a either not going to come out or it's going to come out in an extremely edited version. Yeah. It's, a lot of stuff's going to be redacted. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the whole thing about, that's the metaphor about the relationships too, is like you don't want to have a relationship to where... The person shares with you or is with you because they're obligated. You know what? I, I, I realized that I am so um, not interested in so many people and it comes through as a blessing. Like I get lost in names. I don't necessarily remember who is who, who lives where. My name's that, Tion. Yeah, well, live, you okay. I know. All right, cool. But like I don't necessarily, I think I would be overwhelmed if I knew exactly what you knew. Right. Like, that's too much. That's me living your life. It, that your life is way too much for me. Right. Like, we weren't even Facebook friends until yeah, a year ago. Yeah, that was funny. We didn't become Facebook friends until literally, like... A year ago. It was a year ago. I, yeah. Something like that. Because I'm like, I have my hundred friends. I'm good. You have your whatever friends. I don't need to be in your world. <laughs> I'm right. good. That's a lot. And that's the cool thing about diversity. Like, she's her. There are things that she does that would 
make my head explode. I don't even want to know. I don't even want to deal with it. She deals with that. That's part of the team. It's like, you know, Steph Curry is not trying to do what Draymond does. You know what I'm saying? Like, he just trusts that Draymond can do that and vice versa. So, you know, we're not the same. It's not a one-for-one one thing. And so, you know, letting someone tell it is important. Give them the space. Trust them. Remember, you know, the vows that you hopefully wrote or maybe the ones you sh- just right now, if you haven't wrote them, go write some new vows. But one of them will be trusting the person and having faith in their decision-making process. And so ask yourself that question before you're concerned about who they're going out with yep. and what's their relationship. That doesn't matter. What matters is that person, your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend made a commitment to you, whatever that is, and you should have faith in them to uphold that. And if you don't, then you might really want to question why you're with somebody you don't trust. Um, so, you know, give them a little bit of space. Don't even ask them where they're going. Just be like, you know, have a good time tonight. You know, let me know when you're on your way back. You might even want to surprise them and be like, so are you coming back tonight or are you going to be out, you know? And they're like, what? Like, you know, and don't make it a trick. Like if make them, and if you're like, well, actually. <laughs> do, not, do not freak people out. Well, don't, don't make it a trick. No, give them, like, be, feel free. Give them, a, like, uh, like, encourage them to go away for a few days. They may not, right? It's like, it's the freedom. If you give them like that. If you, gave, if you give me that choice. Or if you encourage me, you know for a fact I'm not going to do it. Right. But that's because it's your choice, not because, like, I know she won't do it, so therefore I'll, ask, I'll offer it. Like, it's, you know, you know, but, you know, just see what happens when you give your person space to grow and breathe. It's an amazing thing. Um, you know, another one is the freedom of letting go and, and, and entrusting, just having faith in a person's decision-making process. Have faith that you made a good decision in choosing to be with this person. You know, like, you don't have to micromanage people. It's exhausting. <clears throat> you know, have faith. You it know? is really, really tiring. I think the main reason why uh, uh, Tian and I actually came to a point where we consciously changed how we operated was because I literally hit the point where I'm like, listen, I love you. I don't want to change anything about how you do things, but I just don't have the energy to deal with everything that comes with it. And uh, it's now interfering with my other life. So something has to change. It just, it becomes too much. Yeah. So let go, you know, like trust your teammates, Um, you know, because like you have to have faith, especially in a, in a, in a open poly or whatever non-monogamous relationship is there's there you you're you're gonna encounter people that you care about new people talented people beautiful people people you're attracted to and your partner has to trust that you can handle that space and still honor what you chose and what you love and that you know that you know as as a person who's gonna have a partner who has different people they're gonna meet all the time and have the freedom to we got to make sure that we're doing the good job of being a good partner to our other person. So that way we earn our keep. Like we actually make the person feel loved and feel great. So they want to come back no matter who they're around. And guess what? Like self-esteem is a big deal. Yeah. Self-esteem is a huge deal. Um, you know, I tell Tion that maybe when I tell the story, it is not really fair to a lot of people uh, because I have never had problems with my self-esteem so I never even I mean it doesn't even occur to me that he may not come back I'm like really if you find someone who's better for you than me then good luck I mean that's awesome but I just don't think it's gonna happen 
So I don't have those. Those are not the issues that I have. Uh, Self-esteem is a huge deal. So whatever you got to do, you know, like you stay in shape, you uh, work out, you, you know, do what makes you happy. You choose a career path that, you know, uh, makes you, helps you grow all those things and you live your own life and that way you're not really depending on him and he's gonna want to be right back there right and that ties right into don't dump your fears insecurities and doubts on the other partner like if you're insecure and you're feeling some kind of way don't blame them don't passive aggressively make them feel bad about being who they are because you know deep down inside that's not your goal but if you're not if you don't check those feelings you will you will come out doing things and saying things that are very counter to the whole reason you're together. I think that that goes in how we're not taught how to express being weak. We're taught to be strong. We're taught how to take care of our own problems, our own issues. We're not taught how to, uh, you know, put down your guard and tell the person you love, like, listen, I'm feeling super sensitive. And... It, there's nothing for you to do. This is just how I feel. That's that's what it is. Instead, we try to be strong and we try to deal with it. And stuff comes out backwards. It comes out sideways. It comes out passive aggressively. And then we're back to being adversaries again. Right. I mean, it's it's back to, hey, if you're partners, then you should be able to go, hey, I am feeling really, really insecure. And he goes, oh, I understand. And it reminds you of all the good things and all your vows and all the reasons why you're doing this. And that is such a better way of expressing that insecurity versus going, hey, when you do this, this makes me feel that way. It's not when he does it. It's just your normal human feeling and it comes with the territory yeah and it, it comes with you know owning those feelings um and knowing that you know the, it, the other person is not solely there to fix your issues some of the things are yours to deal with some of them are, are your guys's group to discuss but what what both people have to get comfortable with is that if i tell her that i'm insecure and i'm vulnerable it doesn't mean that she's doing something wrong and therefore I'm telling her because I want her to change something. And the other person has to understand that if, if their partner says, hey, I'm vulnerable, they have to understand that the person is not saying that to make them feel bad or to make them feel uh, right. guilty. It, it's back to, you know, our difference in how we interpreted I miss you. You yeah. know, like my I miss you is, hey, I'm actually excited I miss you. I, I like this feeling. I, I actually like you but you know his i miss you meant i am uh, guilt tripping him right yeah and so you know you have to and this goes back to being able to communicate and clarify like what things mean because different things mean different things different people um also don't disrespect the divinity of your partner's space with other people um and we learn this you know all kinds of ways but you know, if your partner's going out, you know, to go hang out with somebody else um, and you're feeling kind of itchy about it, um, the time to talk about the vulnerability or how you're feeling is not when they're on their way out 
and it's certainly not when they're out and it's not even <laughs> right when they come back like you want them you want to be able to ha- you want them to have that space and know that you love and encourage them for living their life to and how they should so maybe a few days later once it's cooler you'd be like hey you know um, I'm feeling better now, but yeah, I was really insecure about that. I don't know why. And you can have a conversation where it's not emotionally charged and there's no one to get defensive. But if you know, if, if, you, if God, we've done it every single way <laughs> possible under the sun. Yeah. So, you know, we've come a long way. Um, there's a reason why it's taking this long. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that would be stress. That would be weight on a person who's going out. And they would feel mixed feelings about going out, and that would create resentment. Um, if you know, if you go out on a date or you go out and meet somebody, and your partner starts texting you about how, you know, their head hurts or how they miss you or how they're tired or whatever, you're gonna feel like, why are you telling me this now? Like, what's the motive? You know that I'm out. You know that I'm with somebody else, and then you'll start resenting them, and then you'll feel halfway. Uh, uncomfortable about being out and then nobody benefits because the person at home is not benefiting because you're not there and the person you're out with isn't benefiting because they can see you're preoccupied and you're not benefiting because you're in between worlds and you're pissed off so you know be very mindful when you come home it's even worse (laughs) like yeah yeah coming home and getting a person uh, at home greets you with this oh i'm you upset sh- at you. Yeah, uh, you, you, you shit it on my rainbow space. Yeah, yeah it's not cool at all. I mean, yeah. that, that that makes it really, really bad. Yeah, so it takes, in this space of openness, you have to really <laughs> be able to have somebody in your mental counsel that ask you, what is your goal? Like when you when there's certain circumstances, when you're insecure or when you want to do these things, you have to have somebody in your head go, what is your goal? And you know what? There is like it, it really comes down to practice. It's like practicing basketball or practicing anything else. It's like, all right, well, I have this many hours or this many days and I'm going to occupy myself with things that I hopefully enjoy doing and hopefully I'm going to keep my mind away from uh, you know, feeling insecure so that I don't go and blow this thing up. Right? Because I mean, even if you understand everything and even if you made this decision, you made these, it's not easy. This whole thing is not easy. It's never smooth. It's never, you know, there are times it's easier, other times it's harder. But it, it, it really, it's all practice. It, if it's worth it to you, then you're going to practice. You're going to put time into it and you're eventually going to be better. It's not going to be easy. Once it's easy, I'd be suspect. I'd be like, yeah. I'm missing something here. Right. Just like in the NBA, like being a professional athlete's never easy. Um, you know, one of the important things is creating the environment for honesty. And this goes for all parties in the conversation. We have to ask ourselves, if, if our partner's being dishonest, we have to ask ourselves before we start accusing them of, of this, that, and the third, we have to ask ourselves, are we creating the environment for them to speak their truth you know and you can think back to the times when maybe they did speak their truth and how we reacted Mm -hmm. because if we if if we don't receive their honesty with love and we react in a way that's violent or that's negative they're not going to be encouraged to be honest you know what it's exactly like it works with kids the first time your kid your teenager tells you something that's difficult for them to tell you 
whether it's about sex, uh, drugs, alcohol, anything. And if you flinch or if you give them this, you know, parent reaction, they're never going to tell you again. Right. And it's the exact same thing. You got to take it for their truth. It is in reality. That's their truth. And then you have a choice. All right. Well, my teenager just told me that they're thinking about having sex. And if I flinch and I go all mom on them and be like, what do you mean? You're 14. Are you crazy? Uh, Then I'm guaranteed to never hear about that again. Does that mean she's not going to have sex? Hell no. It just means that she's going to do it without me knowing. And if there's a problem, I'm not going to know about it. Same exact thing with your partner. He's still going to do whatever he does. You're never going to be involved. And then eventually you'll be like, why do I not get to hear about it? Yeah. Yep. And also, you know, setting and discussing boundaries but build them with elasticity and room for agreed amendment because <laughs> we change. None of us are the same person now that we were 10 years ago, even five years ago. So if people are changing, that means the chemistry is changing. That means the relationship's changing. That means there are things that we were, that may have been part of our rules or, uh, you know, guidelines 10 years ago that aren't now. So we have to be always able to, um, clarify discuss you know these things because an open relationship or poly like it's a lot there's a lot of different people a lot of different teammates there's a lot of different stuff and you will be put in a bunch of different situations like you know like i don't know like for example it was funny um you know we went to the movies and it was me and yula and one of our other friends that we're very close to and one of our other friends that we're very close to who brought one of the people she's seeing. So, you know, they were kind of clicked up and then it was me, Yula, and this other person. And we're like, now there's three of us. And I'm like, I'm where should I sit? Should I sit in the middle? Should I sit to the left? And then I'm sitting in the middle and I'm like, well, I don't want to like fifth wheel this person. So should I hold both their hands? Should I just like, and it was just such an interesting thing. I, she's probably thinking about any of that. Of stuff. course. I'm totally I, thinking I, I about it. I saw the whole like, thing. I'm just I mean, like, you know I, what? I'm just going to like put my arms in my hands and lean thing. forward. I was, I was very yeah. not proactive at not touching you. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's interesting. And those things are going to come up. It's just, it's new territory. You know, it's like even, you know, like we'll get in. This is a good part to get into like some of the challenges of like, you know, being, you know, being poly and maybe having a third person who's a mutual friend of ours that we're both close to and even intimate with at times. It's like, you know, it's just different. When you go out to dinner in this type of environment where there's three people, like where do people sit? Because there's always going to be two people on one side and one person feeling like they're being interrogated. We're pretty good at it. We're we're, we're learning. But they've all been different. Yeah, there's different purposes. Different purposes, different personalities. Um... You know, so in, we'll talk about the, the Trinity space for a little bit. Just, just the dynamics of three people. You know, like we're a couple. There's someone new we bring into our space. And, you know, the, the challenges of that. What are, some of the, what are some of the challenges that you've experienced about that space? That was not on your script. No, I know. We're flowing now. Aye, aye, aye. 
challenges well i mean my challenges are always human element challenge my challenge is always connecting with a person uh i've learned that if i am being you know my unfiltered unedited me i can definitely make people feel uh bad and insecure and uh inferior and that's not a good feeling once you know once i realize that that's how my uh unedited self uh can make people feel that's not cool yeah so you know my challenge is to make sure that i actually put an effort into connecting and connecting honestly and connecting straight up uh and being present and not just dumping it all on uh on your ability and interest in maintaining relationships and me kind of being okay well now i can jump in right yeah and i, I try to look at it oh we have this trinity space is like an isosceles triangle like when you're in that trinity space all three sides of that relationship have to be solid for the for the triangle to form where you can all three hang out in that space um and that means you know me and eula's relationship has to be solid um and not be sacrificed it has to be respected and loved eula's relationship with this other person has to be solid and respected and loved and my relationship with that other person has to be solid and respected and loved and at no time can any of us, any lane feel like the other lane is trying to impede on the other. Um, and that everybody feels that in different ways. So being Did able to we say it's complicated, it is complicated. We're going to the geometry my now. Head right now. So, you know, basically what it goes into is, you know, each one of those situations is different. Um, some people want to communicate more. Some people want to know specific boundaries. Some people want to flow. But we learned the hard way that not everybody wants to do it our way. So we have to learn how to listen and learn how to be versatile with how we communicate. Um, and those are some of the, like the, the difficult, harder ones is just, you know, understanding that it's different. Um, but the funny ones are just like situations like going to the movies or, you know, when it's movie night, like where, who, you know, who's where. And, you know, you know, eventually you sink in once you get to know everybody. But like in the beginning, it's like, you know, I don't know. It's a new situation. Like, how do we do this? Like, you know, what happens if. You I'm know, so glad it's you because I don't think about those things. <laughs> I think about these things. I'm the. Uh, You're the Virgo. I'm the Virgo I'm conductor, ambassador, person. But I think about that, and, and a lot of things that can happen are, you know, so say I have a friend that I've been close to for a long time, and then I bring them into the space, and they meet Eula, and you and Eula and her develop a good friendship and stuff too, and then we have the three space. All of a sudden, there's this concern that they may have that. I'm going to sacrifice our personal space for the three space. And that way they lose that direct connection with me. Um, and that's been a, you know, it's been a challenge because, you know, the main thing is time, space, and energy. There's only so much time and space uh, to deal with and, and to divvy out. Well, so you got to be mindful. That's, that's my whole premise of I cannot handle that many relationships just because I also need my own space. And I also have all these other things I have to do. So I'm like I'm cool. I we can limit this to, you know, whatever I can handle. <laughs> yeah. So it's 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 funny. It's fun. It's challenging. But the really thing that really helps us through is um, work very hard at developing conflict resolution skills 
and continue to grow and develop more conflict resolution skills. And my well, analogy... Hopefully conflict preventing skills. Yes, preventative maintenance is one of my favorite things ever. But, you know, one of those is, this, I like to say, fight hard to not fight. And that's hard in relationships. Imagine if you come home from work and you're tired and you're cranky, you're pissed off, and then I come home tired, pissed off, and in a bad mood, and you say something snappy to me, and I say something snappy to you. It's really hard to not just go in and be like, well, fuck it then. We're just going to get in it. You know, so at the higher level of relationship and loving, like you have to fight yourself to not, don't go in. Like, And this applies to monogamy. Yeah, it applies to everything, like any relationship. But it's like, you know, when someone comes at you a way that you feel sideways, like you have to really like struggle to remember, like, what's our goal? What's our goal? And act from that space. And me and you have gotten better at it over the more so in the last year than almost <laughs> before. We're like, we'll feel it coming and we'll just be like, ah, oh, and we'll just like sit. And I, we can both feel that both of us are really trying to not get in that space and to walk things back. And I mean, you know, we've had, I've had to like get off chat and turn chat off and go physically walk away. Yeah. And like physically separate and not talk yeah. just to prevent that that blog coming out when it shouldn't even come out. And then you take an hour and you're like, OK, well, I'm not mad anymore. OK, we can talk. Yeah. A lot of times it can be little things like have I eaten? Have I slept? Uh, am I feeling insecure? Have I received the love that I need for today? Have I thought about my gratefuls? Like, am I acting from a state of an ungrateful space. Um, and then, you know, those are some of the challenges and things. So um, we'll go into just quick myths and then we'll take another break and we'll kind of get into emails and stuff. So, you know, one of the myths is just because we're not monogamous, like we must have sex with everybody all the time. Like every one of our friends is like some play buddy or something. And that's not the case. It's not about having sex with anybody and everybody. Um, it's, rarely even about sex it's about the freedom of decision making process and to have the quality relationships that you desire another one is um you know people assume that people who are open or in poly or whatever that it's okay to not be responsible and not be compassionate and not care about another person's feelings like the assumption that you're just exempt from having to deal with anybody's feelings is a huge myth and a huge falsehood. Um, you know, we actually value the relationships more um, because we genuinely care about the well-being and the growth of people, even if we have to disagree with them um, and walk mm -hmm. away. There's, there's no surface user-friendly value. We're here to, to build or contribute, and if we can't, we just walk away. And it's not easy. And it's not easy. Um, the other one is that, you know, you're a sexual deviant, and you're just greedy and ungrateful. Like, that's why you want to have this freedom, Eula, because you just, you're a mm. dirty, g g deviant. Mm -hmm. You just couldn't handle it. That's you couldn't handle monogamy. so many relationships. Yeah. Couldn't handle it. So those are some of the myths. I mean, there's, there's many, many more, but that's the core ones, is that you're not responsible uh, for other people's feelings. Like, you don't have to, you know, care or, like, communicate, but you actually should more, um, you know. And we're doing this for some hedonistic reason, that we just couldn't handle monogamy. We just didn't have the restraint. <laughs> so we'll go into our next 
little song break, which is a funny one. It's an oldie but goodie by Atlantic Star. It's called Secret Lovers. And this episode is about no longer having to have secret lovers. But as we know, infidelity and passion beyond the core relationship has been around as long as the relationship has been around in itself. So hold tight. After this, we'll get into emails and we'll wrap it up. The Black Russian Podcast.
Such But a beautiful. I like having secrets. Well, that's true. Well, that's the what we talk about. You can choose to have things that are just yours. You don't have to share with me everything. There you go. But Thank you don't you. have to have secret lovers because we're not going to break up the home. Like that was their thing, as they were like, "I'm married and you're married, but we love each other." So we're secret lovers. That's tough. That is tough. Yeah, it's more common than not too, because it's a lot of times, at home, you probably have your stability. You know, and then well, outside, you know. Well, we had a question about that. Yeah, which it question was, was not that? In the email. It was as in, you know, what if you're cheating with a person that's also cheating? Oh. How does that work? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, well, go ahead. Well, the whole, so we did have a question. I don't think uh, the person that asked really knew what our podcast is about. Right. He just saw that, oh, it's a relationship thing. So let me ask this question. So if you're cheating with someone who's also cheating... Uh, you know, how does that go into the theory that men cheat more than women? Clearly, right. everybody cheats. It's, uh, is uh, like, are women better at it? They don't get caught much. And right. we're like, uh, you know, the whole thing is about not cheating. Right. Not, not having to do that. And, you know, there's still forms of cheating in non-monogamous relationships. And it's more of just... Um, going against whatever it is that's agreed without conversation. And that's cheating. It's more of a deceptive thing. It's not a physical act. It's, mm. it's you know, doing... It's breaking the trust. Right. It's, it's finding, finding the space for transgression and breaking the trust. Okay, so now we're going to go into our questions via email and text. Thanks, you guys, who have took the time to email us your questions. I know there's more of you out there. Mm-hmm. I'll blame it on the holidays, but this is your platform as well. <laughs> share, share, like. Okay, so we'll call these questions from the 18th letter, R. It doesn't have to be the name. I know it's fun, though. So R says, and we're going to have you answer the questions because she's so awesome. Is poly just a term or like a code for having... Being able to have a wife, a mistress, and a girlfriend? <laughs> I have no idea. I'm not uh, into terms and names. It took me forever to be okay saying or even, you know, between two of us to be like, yeah, we have an open relationship. Because I hate labels. I hate naming things. Uh, I don't know. Polly clearly is whatever you created to be. So... You know, if you honestly talk to your wife and you both agree that it's fine for you to have a wife, a girlfriend, and a mistress, then that's what it means to you. But it, I, you know, the whole conversation we were having today was about being honest with what you want, being honest with how your, uh, you know, main relationship, presumably with your wife or your girlfriend, uh, functions in an honest way that uh, respects both of you and both of your guys' needs and desires and maybe limits and fears. And then you operate from there. So whatever you want to call the people that you will end up connecting with, it's up to you. Uh, I mean, that's... 
yeah. pretty much what I have. Just be honest, whatever you guys agree to. Um, does Polly set you up for finding someone or something better? Does it leave you that? Like, that was a concern. Like, what if, you know, the relationship's open and, you know, the other person finds someone better? Well, then you probably did not do a good job maintaining that relationship to begin with and you would have lost them either way. So, um, you know, that's uh, that's what it is. I mean, is it scary to know that your partner is out in the world meeting other people? I guess, but that's... You know, you got to be able to hold your own end of the bargain up and be the person that they fell in love with and continue being that person and hopefully improve and have them We go back to where we started. You know, you let them go, and if they want to come back, they will. If you're a jerk and they want to use this opportunity to leave and never come back, then they won't, and you don't deserve them. Right. And also, like, nobody really wants somebody in a relationship that doesn't want to be there. And the only reason they're there is you they signed a contract five, ten years ago and stuff. You want someone who's there because they love and enjoy and they choose you every day. Um, and then this is from our friend Indy. So her and her husband have been navigating the relationship boundaries. I think they've been open and played with it. Um, um, but with the addition of her being pregnant, how do you deal with it? I don't know. I thought about it. Um, and it's really between them too. I understand that, you know, she's feeling like she wants to, you know, nest more while she's pregnant. Then, you know, they ha- they, they should talk about it and respect that or not. But I can feel how when you're pregnant, uh, you want to keep your your partner close. Uh, that's totally in my view it's totally valid and that uh, we'll go back to keep it all you know honest and keep it all fluid don't lock it up to be like no you told me we could do this and regardless of what you go through we're gonna do it this way and you know I don't care how you feel I'm she probably has valid reasons why while she's pregnant she wants to stay in her little cocoon and you know, not deal with, you know, her husband or her boyfriend being out with other people. So if I was him, I'd respect that. But I would also respect it with the understanding that it's not a permanent change. And if it does become permanent, then, you know, he has the right to change his side too. Yeah, I would say, um, like I, we talked about, make sure your boundaries are fluid and can be amended. I mean, maybe... You know, she wants this more and maybe there's a conversation and maybe that's a concession that you guys can choose to make together. But the decision has to be between both of you because it's like if someone, you know, if a wife gets pregnant and all of a sudden you're like, I don't want you touring anymore because I want you home, like that would be impeding and that may not actually benefit either of us. So we should discuss that um, because a part of me going out or part of them going out may be to gather more resources or energy to bring back um and as long yeah. as they're you know as long as the definition of being close is one that's based upon an emotional and spiritual close not a physical possession close but either way that conversation should be had yeah. all the topics should be appreciated respected and honored um last one and then i know you'll have some really good ones so 
um, you know, people ask, well, what do you do about sexually transmitted diseases? Aren't you concerned? And the studies show actually people who are in open or alternative relationships are actually less likely because they actually have open conversations and they take things seriously and get tested often. Where people in monogamous relationships who may be cheating or, or just dating, they don't have these conversations. They don't ask anyone's STI status or any of that stuff. They don't have the conversation. They don't get tested as much. But the answer is just get tested, you know, often, you know, like, like you get checkups. It's a normal thing. So that's my end of the questions. I know you'll have some questions. I'll let her take over. Yeah, I have some really, really good ones. All right. And some of them we've talked about before oh, through the episode, so we'll go through them briefly. How do you handle feelings of jealousy when your partner is not home? I, it's a real deal. And, uh, you know, I think maybe I'll... I'll, I'll chime in a little and then we'll ask Tion to do to answer. Uh, you know, I mean, I've handled it the wrong way and it's not fun. You know, if you handle it the wrong way and you try, you know, staying in touch while he's out and and trying to impose, you know, myself into his space, then that does not work out well at all. He'll come back pissed off. You're going to get into it. It's just not worth it. Uh, you're you're going to end up feeling like shit about yourself and you know you're wrong. You know you're just giving into it and you know there's no basis for it, but you just didn't feel like you just took the easiest way out, basically. And that easiest way out usually will uh, come back and uh, smack you on your head and eventually, you know, like I'm, I, I will let myself get... Uh, you know, walk into a wall so many times and eventually I'm like, you know what? I don't want to walk into this wall anymore. Therefore, I'm going to find another way. So, you know, I'll find things to do. I'll know that this is how I'm going to feel and I'll be like, I, this is just kind of how I'm going to feel. I'm going to sit without feeling and I'm going to knit or read or watch a movie or do whatever. Go hang out with the kids. Or go find Mandingo. Rarely not <laughs> one thing i will not do is go find mandingo because i'm feeling jealous because right. you're out and that's that's a good point uh, that one you i don't you don't that. ever want to use or abuse your open relationship to do things in reactionary ways to for revenge that's the I first way to ruin that. a circumstance like oh he's out or she's out with somebody let me go ahead and get some swipes on and see if i can go get me some last minute twing twing and then so I can throw it in their face. You don't want to do that. It won't feel good. The sex, no matter how good it will, it could be, will not be that good, and you'll feel horrible afterwards. Have you tried it? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, how do you feel about it? Like, how do you deal with jealousy? You just gotta. It's a part of your counsel. Like, you're always gonna have jealousy and insecurity. Like, it's just part of your process. It's one of the members on my team, in my head, in my council, but it's not the only member. So a lot of people have a tendency to let their jealousy out and let that jealous person climb into the mic booth and just start yelling and controlling the mic. And like what I try to do is have that jealousy sit at the conference table and hold a meeting with all the other personalities in my head, like the wise one and the calm one, and let that person air all, all their jealousies there so they can be heard and validated and then we get together and we discuss like okay well what is our goal 
And we have to keep saying that because a jealousy person, when you're jealous, you don't want to think logically and you don't want to think like a higher self person. So you have to ask yourself, what is your goal? What is your goal? And then eventually you'll get to a point where it's like, you know, a lot of times there's nothing really to deal with unless you feel your partner is, is deliberately trying to do things to um, incite jealousy. And then you that's a different conversation. All right, so this one goes back to, I guess, responding to how your partner responds to jealousy. How do you handle feelings of guilt when choosing to spend time with someone other than your partner? You go for it, guilt. I have never felt guilty because I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I chose to operate. No, I do, but I chose to operate my vehicle differently, which right. didn't quite work well, out. Well, it's tough. I mean, it's you know, you have to when you're out and you know that what you're doing is right and is what you should be doing, but also it's hurting your partner or your wife. Um, you have to really just check yourself: Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? If the answer is yes, you lean in and continue to do it, and have faith in your love and your partner's desire to grow that that time that they're feeling hurt is a growth pain it's not a like a, a detrimental pain right which means that you actually really need to understand why you're doing what you're doing because if you're doing what you're doing just to go and have sex you're definitely gonna feel guilty yeah and you're gonna know that that's a wrong decision you shouldn't do it you're going to feel guilty if you, you, if you have a valid reason, if that is something that you feel is important to you as a person, you're contributing to other people, you are somehow connecting all these energies and you are creating something new that may not, you know, would not be created otherwise, then that's yours and that's, that's a valid reason and you go by... Hey, this is why I'm doing it. I know that uh, she doesn't feel hot this, you know, at this moment. But you know what? We're partners. We'll figure it out. That that's just how it goes. Right. We'll grow together. And also, this is the time for me to just put a little asterisk thing in there. Um, with open relationships, it's really important to be able to trust each other's decision making process. Which, if you, if any of you or your partner drinks a lot or does drugs or anything yeah. where they're not accountable for their decision-making process, it will be very difficult to navigate in this space because you can't trust that they're going to make the right decisions all the time. And this could be anything from bringing the wrong type of energy into their life because they're messing with somebody who's not good for them, but they were having a party and they kind of got with somebody. It could be STIs. They could be having unprotected sex because they can't remember. Um, it's really a dangerous space if, you, if you're engaging in... Um, excessive alcohol or drug abuse. So you really want to yeah. be mindful of that. That can really make it hard to trust somebody. I was asked many times, hey, how do you handle tea on touring so much? And I'm like, because he doesn't drink or smoke. Right. And that, that was true because I don't ever, I never had to question him making his decision. How is he making his decisions? Is he making them sober or is he under influence? Right. I mean, I'd never do that if I, if I thought for a second that uh, he wasn't making his decisions sober. Hmm, all right. Has anything made you feel threatened in your relationship and how did you manage that? Uh, no. I don't think I've ever felt threatened. I felt vulnerable. I felt that 
oh, I don't want him sharing uh, whatever special intimacy and that goes not to sex, but to, you know, sharing his thoughts and dreams and, and just, you know, facts of life with someone who he might be uh, close to and not just like, you know, I see them once every six months, but someone who's a constant friend in his life. But that goes for friendships. That's the only type of threatened that I have felt. So you go with your... Yeah. I've never... Luckily, I've never felt threatened. You know, we've we've hurt each other a lot. Like, we've been through dramatic pains. Um, but luckily, it was never a situation to where I felt threatened or I felt like it's time to get the parachute and jump ship. Um, but, you know, I mean, the normal threats that a man will feel is just the fear of the alpha male. And it's just a matter of, like really getting to know that feeling and identifying that it's not based upon anything real and you know no one can be you like there might be someone bigger stronger faster smarter but no one is going to be you and they chose to be in a relationship with you so the best thing you can do is be the best you can be the best version of yourself this one is um i'd say funny but i obviously it's real what does marriage mean to you as a partner in a poly relationship? Um, well, it means the core relationship in my life. I so. think marriage is marriage. I mean, in our in our relationship, I mean, marriage is our how we create it and maintain our relationship. Yeah, it's our structure. It's our economic structure. It's our family structure. It's our it's our hub for our friendship. It's our hub for our companionship. Um, and it's the priority. And you can always tell um, the priority in your life by the amount of time, space, and energy you invest in it. Um, and it's our, it's our core vehicle. It's where we transmit from. It's where we replenish. It's where we generate the deepest. It's where we reflect. Um, you know, it's our refuge. That's why it works that uh, we can bring things openly to that place um if something is difficult in one of our relationships outside whether it's mine or tion's uh he can bring it i can bring it and you know who do you want to share it with like i want to share it with my best friend who happens to be my husband and he wants to share it with his best friend that happens to be his wife. That's our marriage. Yeah, and it's happened. There have been oh, times. It's happened. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, it's it's very it's very amazing, and it's it's admirable when a girl that I'm close to that I've been seeing for a while, um, we're going through it, and they actually feel comfortable enough and close enough to my wife to call them and have a conversation with them, and have my wife actually. Um, speak to them with love and logic and I'll be like, bitch, why are you calling me? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a lot. I mean, that's a superwoman thing and this is a superwoman type of relationship we're leading, but it's amazing to witness it firsthand. But that's our marriage. I mean, that's what it means. It's not going to be duplicated. It's not going to be replaced. Uh, it's not, it's never going to be surpassed and those are our vows. That's, that's what it means. Uh, It's a lot of questions over there, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Okay. So this um this question is interesting. Uh so and I kind of made it short, but the premise is that hey, all my uh, friendships uh, outside of my marriage are very intimate in terms of how much energy I put into them. And uh, the only thing that's different between the friendships and my marriage is sex. So the only person that I have sex with is my husband, but all of my other relationships are intimate. Uh, and sex is what makes my partner feel special. So if I go out and have sex with these other friends I'm this close to, how is that going to make my partner feel? Like now he all of a sudden does not feel special. Right. My answer to that is, <clears throat> as we've talked about and we'll say again, sex is one of the many mediums of connection. Sex does not always mean the exact same thing. It's not always the most divine thing. It's not always a cheap thing. So the difference between the levels of sex of divinity and love and levels of sex for sport and fun is the connection between the two people. So having it be having the security be a material or a physical tangible thing is dangerous and very fragile. That would be like, you know, you talk to me. You use your mouth and talk to me. You don't talk to me about to any other person. It's like it's a tool. Like it doesn't make it like more or less divine if, if I share love or if I share insight or if I share conversation or sex. Like, it's what we talk about that makes our conversations unique to us. It's the, what, we, what, what it means when we have sex is what makes it mean to us. The sex is not what makes it divine. It's the intention, the love, the care, the passion that differentiates. But if you keep it as a physical, tangible thing, then you're selling the true depth and purpose of that connection short because it's not just the penis and vagina interaction that makes it special right and my my thing my my thought is that you know uh i don't i don't think i will buy that your friendships with other people are as involved and intimate as your relationship with your husband just by the time and space factor they cannot be so you come home every night, you cook dinner for him every night, you sleep in the same bed every night. Uh, that's the special part. You know, you share your day with them. You, you know, go on vacations with them. That's a special part. I mean, your friendships are close, but that's, you know, they're friendships. They, there's a limited amount of time and space that you can share. So, you know, and I, sex makes it special, but it doesn't make it exclusively the only thing that makes my husband feel special. Right. I'm assuming you feel special because of the time, the space, the energy, the love, the care, the yeah. consistency, the security, mm -hmm. the camaraderie, the chemistry, that stuff. And however you choose to share that, whether it's through baking or through lovemaking or through fucking or through massages or through paying bills or through helping yeah. him through hospital stuff, that's secondary to the intent. The right. And the last one, and we've had it from a couple of people, is so how do you how do we raise kids? We have kids. How do we raise we have, kids? We have polywogs. We have three polywogs. <laughs> we have kids. One is not a kid anymore. Uh, She's probably listening right now. 
well, she can listen right now. She came through to listen and take extensive time in the bathroom, <laughs> brushing her teeth, listening. <laughs> but uh, we raised them how we raised them, how we've always raised them, how we would raise them normally. Otherwise, uh, we, uh, well, I already said we don't track them. We give them a lot of freedom. We give them a lot of respect. Uh, we treat them as individuals. Uh, we go a lot by how uh, we would want to be treated. Uh, and it goes, you know, I mean, uh, them growing up with us having a relationship that may not be traditional is not shocking to them. I mean, I'm white, he's black. Two kids are white, one is mixed. Uh, you know, my parents were not thrilled about us getting together. Like us being in an open relationship is not the most challenging thing that we've had to go through in our marriage. And the kids, you know, they see it all. They feel it all. They feel the energy in our house. Our uh, house has always been open to a lot of different people. Uh, sexually, not sex, most 95, 98% nothing to do with any of our sexual relationships on one side or the other. We've had people take refuge literally at our house and live for six months or four months or whatever. However, you know, our house is open. I mean, we always tell people, if you need a place, you're moving to the Bay, you can't pay rent and you're this awesome person, we'll house you, we'll feed you till you, you know, get on your feet. Uh, if you had surgery and you need someone to take care of you, you come through and we take care of you. I mean, we've had all of that. Uh, and they're used to it. They're used to showing up at home and, hey, there's this dude sitting on the couch. Right. And I can guarantee you that they do not think that, oh, this is my mom's lover. Right. No, the, the, the thought in their head is, oh, it's my parents' friend right. and they must be a good person. Right, and that's the thing. It's like we what we just what we we're just saying before is like, you know, the core ethic is love, camaraderie, family, um, you know, support, empowerment, good people, good vibes. Um, how we share those things is secondary. So whether it's you know cuddling, sex, financial support, emotional refuge, um, watching movies making food, like it's just, it's secondary to the intent, which is we always have them around good people, loving people, diverse people, yeah. caring people. And so that's the norm for them. You know, like they're not concerned about what pathway um, we're sharing this love and this community with. They're concerned about how it feels and that stuff. So and they're learning through osmosis. They're learning to make their own individual decisions. They're learning to observe relationships. They're learning to be uh, honest in how they see people. They're not afraid to talk to us. Uh, and that's because we're not afraid to ask questions and then listen to what they have to say. Um, and that's how they're learning. What they do in their relationships is to be seen. Uh, but it will most likely be something that does not limit their freedom of choice. Right. And that's the main thing. I mean, we, we're open book. Um, 
we do deal with context though. It's like, you know, there's certain things that, you know, whether it's sexual desires or preferences that like, you know, it may not be relevant for your kids, well, kids or your parents to know. kids don't ever want to know. I mean, the kids don't want to walk in on their parents having sex. Kids don't want to hear about anything. And it doesn't matter if it's, you know, monogamous or with somebody else. That's not any more scandalous to uh, kids. Yeah, so that's kind of how we handled it. Um, you know, it's the same way we would handle... Well, the same way we had to handle being interracial, you know, married couple dealing with our parents and friends that may not be, you know, fully acclimated with that whole vibration. Yeah, I mean, that's when we say fuck it and we are going to do it the way we're going to do it. And that's all there is to it. I mean, you know, I've gone against uh, family and Tion and how I chose to raise our oldest and just because that's what I felt was the right way to, to to do and I'm not afraid to handle like you know anything else in a way that I feel needs to be handled yeah so we do that and um you know with our oldest we've had conversations about you know how to deal with relationships and how to make your own path how to write your own vows how to be loving caring communicate and not feel you're obligated or bound to something because you made some commitment years ago. If it's not working, have the conversation, amend it, and figure out if it's working today. If it's working today, continue. If it's not, you're allowed to change that. But be honest and be clear. Yep. All right. Well, that's that. This is a long, lengthy, fun conversation here on episode three, the alternative to a... Well, you promised that it's going to be lively. Yes. We got in there. Uh, I think you guys will enjoy this. It'll be good. Um, and the next episode... Oh, boy. <laughs> the next episode is the sex episode, or as we call it, it's the sex, stupid, and all things about sex, the good, the bad, the kink, the preferences, and all of that stuff. So hopefully you guys will participate with your questions, too, and don't get all shy and bashful. There's nothing wrong with whatever you're thinking or feeling. Fantasies are normal. Fetishes are normal. Even when they're not normal to some, there's normal to someone else. So, I mean, if all else fails, we'll just call Dan Savage. There we go. We'll get Dan Savage on the show. He should be ready after our fourth episode. Hey, Dan. Hey, Esther. Come on our show. <laughs> but anyways, thank you guys for listening all the way to the end. This is the Black Russian Podcast. We always like to end it with gratefuls. We usually do things for shit, Eula should say, but we didn't really get any. Yes. So... <laughs> I'm just going to have her say, oh, Mickey, you're so fine. You're so fine. You blow my mind. Hey, Mickey. Hell no. Hey, Mickey. Hell no. Hey, Mickey. Yeah, I oh, can say no, hey, Mickey. No, <laughs> Oh, Mickey, you're so fine. You're so fine. I you blow my mind. That. Hey, Mickey. No, I'm not doing that. You, you, you have might to. as well make me do the Barrington Levy thing. No, do Barrington no, Levy thing. no. This do is Barrington shit. Levy thing. This is shit Eula says. <laughs> no. Come on. Oh, no, Mickey, you're, you're so, so fine. You're so fine. You blow my mind. Hey, Mickey. No, I can say hey, Mickey. Hey, Mickey is about that set. Okay, how about you ain't got to go home, motherfucker, but you got to leave here. Tion, come on. There she goes again. Transgression at its finest. No, I can't. Okay, then say Albuquerque five times and Fort Lauderdale five times. Oh, my God. Really? Your fans want to hear you. Albuquerque. That's good. Albuquerque, Albuquerque, Albuquerque. <laughs>
<laughs> I feel like I'm saying Alba. 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 Albuquerque? Albuquerque. 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 Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale. I said it. Now say it right. What did I say? Fort Lauderdale. Oh. Fort Lauderdale. What? Fort Lauderdale. Lauderdale? Yes. Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> okay, last one. Fort Lauderdale. Then, <coughs> shit, fuck, damn. No. Fuck. No. Fuck, fuck, I fuck. said fuck. Fuck. I said fuck. Say fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. She's She's learning how to be a good sport. You guys should encourage her. You know, she's coming out of her rabbit shell. Uh, but yeah, so we like to end it with gratefuls. And one thing I'm grateful for is that we are successfully out of 2016. We have a few more days as of now. We're going to do our best to lay low, be careful, be grateful. And I'm grateful for that. We made it. We're alive. We have another chance to fight another battle tomorrow. I'm grateful that we're healthy. Uh, that's... That's my man grateful today. Healthy. I'm grateful for the ability to be brave enough to fight to be myself and to be honest with myself and to share myself with others and find it okay if people don't feel it and patient enough to find the ones who do feel it. I'm grateful for it being old. I'm almost 50. I am 50. I'm <laughs> grateful. And my short hair. 50 hair. with short She's hair. She's not 50. Well, She's 45. <laughs> <laughs> 45 is not the new 50. No, but I'll get there. Right. She's grateful for getting there. Yeah. In um, good health with short hair. Yeah. And I'm grateful to... Um, share this with everybody the people who listen and know that it actually is serving a purpose um in your guys's lives and it's resonating with some people a lot more um and some people it's what they've been looking for and i'm glad that we're doing this because i know what it's like when we discover something that really resonates with us and we're so grateful that that person took the time to do that so grateful for you guys having a space with us and once again, this is the Black Russian Podcast. I am Tian Bukuwan. I'm Yula. And we are out. Happy 
swim to in a storm. 